Keyshawn, J. Will, and Zubin, the podcast. Keyshawn, J. Will, and Zubin presented by Progressive Insurance. The fellas all back with me on Monday, January 4th. We'll get ready for the NFL playoffs, but in their place this morning, it's a pleasure to have Trevor Maddich, the national champion, the ESPN college football analyst, played in the NFL, and after a crazy week 16, curtain will come down tonight when you got the Bills and the Pats on ESPN heading to a great week 17 with so much still on the line at the top and the bottom, especially of the NFC. Great to have his expertise here. All right, Trev. So first things first, the Jets haven't been secure in many ways this year. I don't think Adam Gase feels pretty secure about his job, but they finally did secure something. The second overall pick in the draft. They beat the Browns. They beat Cleveland. So next April in Cleveland, where the NFL draft hopefully will take place, not virtually, but fans and everybody back, if we can all make it happen, they'll pick number two. And they have more than two options. They could obviously trade the pick. They could keep Sam Darnold and find some protection for him. They could move Sam Darnold and draft their quarterback of the future. It's all on the table for Joe Douglas, the team's general manager, who, if more than anything, is known for his ability to draft and scout. Huge spot. Lawrence won to the Jags. We know it. What did the Jets do, in your opinion, at two? I think they should do one of two things. I think they should either stay there and take Panay Sewell, who is the tackle out of Oregon. This guy is everything you want in an offensive lineman. He is powerful. He is nimble. He is nasty. And away from football, he's as good a dude as you can hope to have in your locker room. He's everything. And he, I think, has as good a chance to be a 10-year pro bowler as anybody in this draft. Let me and just stop you real Trevor quick. Lawrence. Just because for a lot of listeners that may not be aware, you played on the offensive line. So this is this is your specialty. I mean, this is the way you could look at guys like that and really size them up. I just wanted to mention that for people uh, that may not be aware of the position that you played, the way you look at this position group. Yeah, I played for 12 years in the league, and I... Played all five positions. I started games at uh, left tackle, left guard, center, right guard. Played right tackle um, and tight end. I was number 46 for the Jets one year. Still mostly a blocker, but still I was number 46. I felt liberated. Did all the long (laughs) snapping. So I was able to look at things from different perspectives. And I had to do things in a way that didn't rely on focusing on one spot and excelling at that one spot for five or six years. I had to go in different places. I was always out of position one way or another. That's why I appreciate players like Sewell, who is at one spot left tackle, although he can really play anywhere, who who respect the grind, who respect the preparation, who love being a part of football outside of the trappings of football. Mm. And so if I'm the Jets, I, I'm happy to stay there and take him. I think you make a quarterback like Sam Darnold better by improving the team around him. I would not take a quarterback there if I'm the Jets. What I would do is, if I don't want to take Panay Sewell, because they've got Mekhi Becton at left tackle, although mm-hmm. what they do is take Sewell and then mix and match and move guys around. What I would do is trade back and get extra picks and start to pile up receivers. This is going to be a really good draft for receivers at the top. And it starts with Devontae Smith of Alabama. Mm-hmm. and But they've got Jamar Chase of LSU. There's a bunch of really good receivers elite receivers at the top and that's something that the Jets not only don't have it's like it's a it's a desert wasteland at that position right now and that will do go a tremendous amount towards helping Sam Darnold be better I think more than trying to draft another quarterback and getting him up to speed with the same bunch of people around him you mentioned one thing about Sewell and I just want to mention one thing about him if you're old enough to remember these two guys Mel Kiper Jr. of course the draft expert puts out all of his mock drafts you can see them on ESPN.com ESPN plus 
he compared Sewell the last time we had Mel on. He's been on a couple of times. And again, if you're too young for this, just Google these guys' names and look at the list of accomplishments. And I know Sewell has not played one snap in the NFL, but in his comparison, in his draft evaluation, he said Sewell looks like Walter Jones Mm. and Anthony Munoz, who are Mm. two of the greatest interior offensive linemen in the history of the NFL. Now, I don't need you. <laughs> I don't need to tell you that having played the position, but when you compare a guy like Sewell to two guys like that, Munoz and um, Walter Jones, it is an unbelievable comparison. So but, you, yeah, go ahead. No, no but what, make, what makes them great is not just they, they block well, they, they did, but they can block every kind of defender because they have power and they have the, the nimbleness, the, the fleet of foot kind of a thing. They work hard. They have great technique. But more than any other single thing, they bring to the locker room the kind of mindset and culture that you want. You want the young guys on the team at any position to approach this business the way those guys approach this business. And Panay Sewell is that guy right now. I know you said the Jets don't need a quarterback in your mind. They should stay with Darnold and get him some weapons. But every single draft, Trev, revolves around the quarterbacks that are available. So I want to kind of just go into it because there are going to be some other quarterback needy teams. Obviously, we know that Jacksonville most likely, I mean, something cataclysmic happens, is going to draft Trevor Lawrence. And you're saying right now the Jets should bypass a quarterback at two and believe in the guy they drafted uh, back in 2018. That particular note aside, what do you think about the standpoint of just looking at some of the guys that are available? One guy that was neck and neck with Trevor Lawrence for most of this season, although after Lawrence returned from COVID, he took it to another level. Justin Fields tended to maybe decelerate just a little bit. Interesting point that has been made is that when you see the struggles of somebody like a Dwayne Haskins or guys that just haven't really worked out in the NFL from Ohio State under the Urban Meyer system, current head coach Ryan Day still essentially running Meyer's system, is there any trepidation that Justin Fields is a quote-unquote Meyer slash Day guy? We haven't seen a ton of success with those guys in the NFL. Would you have any fear of that, or are these completely independent situations? One player is one guy, one player is another guy. Zubin, I think it's a fair question. And from a standpoint of assemb- of assimilating the academic side of becoming an NFL quarterback, you've got to wonder what they were asked to do in the classroom of football at Ohio State and if that's something that slows them down as they try to transition to the NFL. But I think the biggest problem for Haskins was his attitude. It was who, what his football character was. Now, I'm not saying his personal character. I'm not, down, I'm not talking him down as a person. I'm saying that his football character, his work ethic, the way he responds to adversity, things like that are not very high. And that's not a reflection on Ohio State. Chase Young comes from Ohio State. He's got an immensely high football character. He was their second pick in the draft this year, and he's in the running for Defensive Rookie of the Year. Uh, Terry McLaurin, who is a wide receiver for uh, Washington this year, is a draft choice from last year, third round, I think, who... Is a team captain. Now think about that. Also a Buckeye. Yeah, also a Buckeye. But he's a team captain for Washington, and he was a multi-year team captain at Ohio State as a wide receiver. Normally wide receivers are kind of divas. They're kind (laughs) of off on their own. They're a little crazy, and they're not the guy that you look at as a team captain that defensive tackles will look to as a leader, right? Terry McLaurin is that kind of guy. He comes from Ohio State. So it's not a Buckeye thing. It is a, a, a positive thing. To come from the Ohio State program into the NFL generally from a standpoint of football character. Dwayne Haskins, in my opinion, has not had that, has not carried on that tradition. Justin Fields is a different guy. 
But if I am an NFL scout, I am really interested in the interview portion of Justin Fields' evaluation to see how much he really knows about opposing defenses or does he just know a lot about RPOs and he sees guys open and he hits them down the field because they're better than the guys that are trying to cover them, things like that. I'm going to want to know that part of it. That's the part where a guy like Trevor Lawrence excels. A guy like Zach Wilson of BYU excels. Maybe Justin Fields does too. But with what happens with Haskins this year, I would want to really double down on that evaluation. And we talked about Urban Meyer spawning all of these guys, whether it's Ryan Day or the success of the quarterback position. We'll talk about Urban in the NFL here in just two minutes. Last thing for you. Uh, You played at BYU. You were a national champion under the late, great Lavelle Edwards, one of the great innovative coaches in the history of college football. Um, He passed away. I remember doing SportsCenter with you the day he passed away, and you told me about all the great things that he's been able to do and all the great quarterbacks he spawned. The latest one is Zach Wilson. You played for BYU. You know the program. You follow them closely. Um, You know, they've had Taysom Hill in the NFL. Obviously, Steve Young has been there, Jim McMahon, all these guys. But this guy, it feels is sort of decelerated just a little bit. It sort of feels like the corollary has been Wilson zooming up the other way, what do we need to know as fans about this guy, considering this has always been an offense that loves to throw the ball no matter who's been in charge? Zach Wilson has everything you want as a first-round quarterback, right? The price of admission is accuracy. Can he make all the throws? Can he make them accurately? Yes. And as a matter of fact, he's one of the most accurate, accurate throwers down the field in college football. Mm. As is, by the way, Mac Wilson, or excuse me, Mac Jones of Alabama and Justin Fields of Ohio State. Mm. Right up in there in that top tier, the top three or four or five guys is Zach Wilson of BYU. That means completion percentage of balls thrown at least 20 yards in the air. There are a lot of quarterbacks in college who have a high completion percentage, but they're throwing most of their passes at or near the line of scrimmage. Not so with Wilson. You'll see Wilson roll to his right and then flick the ball with his wrist, and the next thing you know, it comes down 55 yards later in a a dime. It's just amazing what he can do with his arm, but that's just the price of admission because if that's all you got, you cannot play quarterback in the NFL because in college, a quarterback is typically a a running back with an arm. In the NFL, a quarterback is typically a Rhodes Scholar with an arm. (laughs) Now, there's been a lot of, of college principles that have come up to the NFL in the last couple of years, which makes it easier for young quarterbacks to be successful early. But Wilson is that classic Rhodes Scholar with an arm. He is an absolute junkie, not just in the weight room, not just out throwing. He is a junkie in the film room. He wants to know every detail, not just about his own offense, but about what defenses are doing and where the weak spots. In a lot of ways, it's the same style that Tom Brady has, except Wilson has a better arm in terms of arm strength than Tom Brady. And so these are things that I think will will excite scouts and put him in the first round. There's no doubt the head coach of the BYU Cougars, Kalani Sataki, has been essentially echoing everything that you have said. Great person, great player. We'll see where he ends up in the NFL. But for more Alphabet Soup here, let's go from A to Z. Let's start in Houston because I think, I think that's where J.J. Watt is going to be at this time next year. But after hearing what you're about to hear, I'm not so sure. I'll have the contract details and all of this on J.J. Watt in just a moment. But first, the overarching thing that raised a ton of eyebrows yesterday. The Texans are 4-11. They got beat by the Bengals yesterday. And J.J. Watt was livid. We're professional athletes getting paid a whole lot of money. If you can't come in and put work in in the building, go out to the practice field and work hard, do your lifts and do what you're supposed to do, you should not be here. This is a job. We are getting paid a whole lot of money. There are a lot of people that watch us and invest their time and their money into buying our jerseys and buying a whole bunch of And they care about it. 
they care every single week. We're in week 16 and we're four and 11. And there's fans that watch this game that show up to the stadium that put in time and energy and effort and care about this. So if you can't go out there and you can't work out, you can't show up on time, you can't practice, you can't want to go out there and win, you shouldn't be here because this is a privilege. It's the greatest job in the world. You get to go out and play a game. And if you can't care enough, even in week 17, even when you're trash, when you're four and 11, if you can't care enough to go out there and give everything you've got and try your hardest, that's bull. Wow. I want to mention here that JJ Watt is one year left on his contract. So he is obligated contractually for the moment to the Texans through the end of the 2021 season at a $17.5 million salary, not salary cap hit one year, 17 and a half million dollars left. But Trev, if the Texans are going to blow this thing up and he's unhappy, he's a three-time defensive player of the year who clearly wants to win in this organization, not likely to win in the near term future. Any possibility that this three time defensive player of the year is moved in the off season here? Yep. Yep. There's a chance. It's because of what you said that Houston is not going anywhere anytime soon. And the clock is running out for J.J. Watt. He's been fighting through injuries. He wears those braces on his elbows. Uh, he, he wants to get to the Super Bowl, and he deserves to get to the Super Bowl. I think a team that is a player like him away from getting to the Super Bowl is likely to make a trade for him. And I think that would be good for both sides because Houston right now has a lot of holes to fill, and they could use that salary cap space that it would take to re-sign him to get other young players that they could build for the future. There's no doubt. They also don't have a ton of draft capital, so you would assume if they were to be able to deal Watt, they could be able to get some draft picks back in return because Deshaun Watson is there, but he doesn't have much around him. A story to watch. Again, one year left on his contract. One story that really caught my eye yesterday, it started making some waves Sunday morning when Adam Schefter reported that Urban Meyer in the NFL could be a match. Of course, he's never coached at the NFL level. He's been great everywhere he's been, Bowling Green, Utah, Florida, Ohio State. But a couple of different teams, according to Adam, have reached out. Urban Meyer expected to make a decision on what he feels next week from one Adam to another. This is Adam Rittenberg, our ESPN college football writer, on the difference that Meyer would face at the highest level of football. I'm just fascinated, guys, to see what type of fit Urban would be in the NFL, you know, where you don't have all the best players, uh, where the talent is more even, and, and how would he handle that? How would he handle the intensity that he brings? It's sort of his hallmark at the college game. It's fourth and one every day when Urban Meyer's your coach. Can that translate to the NFL, or would he take a slightly different approach? It's a fascinating thought. Obviously, a college football legend at all levels, winning at uh, the mid-major level, winning at the group of five level, winning at the power five level. We'll see what he can do at the pro football level if he wants to be there. I guess the simple question is, you know, Mike Tannenbaum, the front office insider, Trev, joined us earlier this morning, and he said what a lot of people are saying. Can't just out-recruit everybody in the NFL. This isn't just bringing in a bunch of five stars and running all over the field at Ohio State. This would be an interesting move but you think he could absolutely succeed at this level. I do, because it's not just a matter of rah-rah. That's not what he's about. He's a good motivator, but more than that, he's a great leader. And he teaches his assistant coaches, who then teach the players, Mm. 
how to be leaders. It's one thing to have your leadership in the locker room rise up organically. You want that to happen. Urban Meyer understands the importance of teaching those guys the principles, the techniques of leadership to make them even more effective. Because in the NFL, a head coach needs to be a leader first. He's got to convince all those alphas in the locker room that they should trust him to lead them to where they want to go because the the stakes are massive in the NFL. Your career is only about three and a half years long. Mm. You don't have a whole lot of time to get to where you want to go, and you better trust your coach. Urban Meyer is a guy you can trust, and I can tell you this, Zubin, that I am a, um, you know, I, I played a long time. Played four years in college, played 12 years in the NFL, and since then I've been covering both. And I have, I have had experience with head coaches in the NFL and in college um, extensively. Because during the offseason, especially in college, I drive around the country in my car, my own expense, my own time. I'm buying the gas. I'm paying for the hotels. And I'm visiting programs, and I'll put in twelve or 14,000 miles in offseason mm. doing that when it's not a pandemic. Right. Spend a lot of time <laughs> right. with these guys. And I will tell you that I can talk to a coach for 30 seconds and tell you if I'd play for him. Now, I don't know if he's good at the X's and O's and what he does, but I can tell you that from a leadership standpoint, mm. from a connection standpoint, I can tell you I'd play for that guy. 30 seconds of conversation. Wow. Not every time, but a lot of the time. And I can tell you in 30 seconds, no, I, I would not want to play for that guy. And then there's a bunch of people in the middle where it takes it takes longer than that. Urban Meyer is one of those 30-second guys that whether you're an NFL guy, whether you're a college football player, you're a man playing a, uh, this, this brutal sport. And Urban Meyer is the kind of guy that you talk to for 30 seconds and you think, yeah, that guy I will play for. Let me ask you this from a building standpoint, because building in the NFL, to your point, the, the clock is ticking a lot faster than it is in college football. The thing that impresses me the most, and let, let's be honest, there's a lot of warts around Urban Meyer, but this is, this is pro football where the rules are a little bit, you're not answering to some athletic director or the university community. If you win, sad as it is to say, you can make it in the NFL. And I'm not saying Urban Meyer is perfect. We all know everybody has issues. But what I would really say is, you know, Bowling Green, not a football factory, but he won there. You know the state of Utah very, very well. They've had a little bit of a history, but it really surged when Urban got there. Florida has a great history, but was on the downward trajectory when he got there. Boom, right back up to national titles. Ohio State was on a downward trajectory for a year. They had some issues with Jim Trestle, all that stuff. Boom, right back up. Is it possible, um, and this is the real question, the difference between college and the NFL, if you've done it at every stop, like a bad team, a good team, a middling team, great resources, not a ton of resources, does that lead you to believe, even though the games are completely different, that being able to rebuild from various different scenarios would lead you to believe that if he got the Jags job, the Lions job, the Texans job, which may be a little better because the quarterback situation is better, that he could rebuild any situation, no matter how dire it might be? I would have confidence that he could because he excels at the most important thing to sustain success. And that is not players, not coaches, so much as systems. Systems bring in and develop players and coaches. Systems are something that he put in place at all those places along the way. You talk about his his offense. His offense was successful in college. The, the read option, all these things, when it was revolutionary. I mean, at Bowling Green and then in Utah with Alex Smith, uh, he ran this read option thing that everybody said would never work in the SEC because linebackers were too fast and they crushed his quarterbacks. Well, guess what? He wins Tim. two national championships, one with Tebow and one yeah. with Chris Leak, right. who wasn't even that great of a runner. Right. Right? And so, but that's college. The principle here is not the specifics of the X's and O's. 
The principle is the systems that he put in place to maximize the talent, to get them to play at their very best as individuals and then play together as units. And that goes back to the leadership curriculum that he put in, very precise, very specific in terms of its intent on how to develop leadership. And so when he gets to the NFL, I'm sure he would bring in NFL experienced coordinators to handle the X's and O's part. That right there is mildly interesting. The question is, are you evaluating players correctly, and are you putting them in a position to maximize their potential? Are you teaching them how to play the game of football? I believe that Urban Meyer could do that just as well on the NFL level as he did at the college level. Now, there have been a lot of college coaches go to the NFL, and they failed. They haven't been able to transition their leadership style from college to the NFL. Right. I don't worry about that with Meyer. We'll wait to see. It's a very juicy storyline on the way. On the way, it's Monday Night Football. And when Dan Orlovsky, our NFL analyst, joined us early in the season, we all laughed at him when he said, I'm telling you, man, Josh Allen for MVP. After what we've seen the last few weeks, is it finally time to say Dan was right and put him right back in the discussion? Bill's Pats tonight, Mr. Monday Night, on the way. Keyshawn, J. Will, and Zubin right here with Trevor Maddich this morning on ESPN Radio. Keyshawn, J. Will, and Zubin, the podcast. Support for this podcast and the following message comes from Wise, the account that helps you manage your money all around the world. Dining in dollars, doing business and bought, wherever life takes you, the Wise account helps you send, spend, and receive in different currencies fast. Wise is the easy way to connect all of your finances internationally. Buying that dream property in Portugal? Done. Freelancing in France? No problem. Sending money back to mom? Simple. All without hidden fees or exchange rate markups. Minimum fees, maximum ease, full speed. Join 16 million customers and learn how the Wise account could work for you by downloading the app or visiting wise.com slash unsportsmanlike. For the ones who get it done, Granger offers high-quality supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as access to product specialists who have the knowledge and experience to answer your toughest questions. Plus, their commitment to being your safety partner can help you keep your facility safe and your people safer. Call, click Granger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. I got news for you. There might be more disappointment in Foxborough tonight. It's the Bills and the Pats. It's the final game on the Monday night football schedule this year. It's a pleasure to bring in Mr. Monday night, Lou Riddick. He joins the show for the Monday night preview brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Everything here on the line for the Bills. The Pats, of course, have already been eliminated from the playoff chase. Lou, I got to ask you this. Whenever I hear people I truly respect talk football, standalone, big games, Al Michaels, Chris Collinsworth, yourself, those two on a Sunday, you on a Monday, when I hear people say Josh Allen for MVP, I know the precincts are closing and it's getting real late. We're about to hit week 17, and I know Aaron Rodgers and Patrick Mahomes are still out there. But if somebody wanted to vote Josh Allen for MVP right now, what would you say? I would say more power to you. I would say go right ahead and do it with confidence because what he has done, Zubin, individually and collectively for himself and for this football team, is nothing short of remarkable. I wouldn't say I'm shocked only because the people who know the young man the best know that he was always going to put in the work. He was always going to never quit as far as trying to improve his game. Uh, I am amazed a little bit at how dramatic his improvement has been from year two to year three. His accuracy, his poise, his calmness, his control is quite honestly it's it's astonishing at this point you got to give a lot of credit to him you got to give a lot of credit to Brian Dayball off the coordinator you got to give a lot of credit to 
Jordan Palmer, who who coaches him up as his quarterback coach. You got to give a lot of credit to Brandon Bean and Sean McDermott in the front office, bringing in more weapons, really tailoring this offense to what he likes. You'd be amazed at how much how many play calls come in that are ones that he's asking for, things that he likes to do. And it's all manifested itself in a well, it has manifested itself in a in the AFC East championship. A guy who now is thrown for over four thousand yards and running for touchdowns like he's Michael Vick at the same time. And a team that's absolutely rolling and has the potential to sweep a Bill Belichick team in conference for the first time since forever, <laughs> since Bill's been here in New England. That's crazy. And that's a lot of that's because of him. Now, they have a good team. They have 52 other guys plus who are very, very good football players. But a lot of it's because of him. And that is what MVPs are made of, typically. So one of the teams in the NFC East, or excuse me, the AFC East, has a dominant quarterback, and it's not New England. The Patriots are now officially out of the playoff race. Who starts at quarterback for New England in 2021? That's a great question, Trevor. That's a great question because really like New England is stuck in kind of like personnel purgatory when it comes to what do they have at their disposal in order to address the position. They're not high enough in the draft to to be in position to draft one of the top three or four guys. Do they have to move up? Do they are they able to find a willing dance partner in in free agency, there's obviously there could in, and in the veteran uh, trade market, there could be some potential guys who are possibly on the market. Whether or not they fit into what Bill is looking for, and whether or not they fit into that team's salary cap plans, and what New England salary cap plans are remains to be seen. So there's a lot of unknowns for them, a lot of unknowns when it comes to that position about how do they get the player that they want, and can they get the player that they want? And that's something you're right for for 20 years. For 20 years, they didn't have to worry about that. 20 freaking years. <laughs> and now they're kind of in the same boat that a lot of teams are in, what it seems like, every year. What are we doing at quarterback? That's, that's, a, that's different territory for Bill. But if anybody can figure it out, he can. So this may be an obvious question, and we're talking to Lou Riddick, Monday Night Football analyst here this morning on Keyshawn J. Will and Zubin, Trevor Maddich in for the fellas, we'll all be back together on Monday, January 4th. New lineup on ESPN Radio begins on January 5th. Greeny is going to follow us right after we're done. Um, Lou, this just, again, I mean, I just think about this, and I just wonder why more teams don't do this. You just mentioned the head coach, Sean McDermott, and the GM, Brandon Bean. And I do know they are perfectly aligned because they were together in Carolina before they came together to work together in Buffalo, yet I see so many teams in the NFL that have a disparate general manager that didn't hire the head coach, and there's a disconnect. Mm-hmm. Clearly, the connection mm-hmm. has worked here. Why don't more teams do that? The silence that you hear is that's a great question, man. It doesn't seem that hard in, in, in terms of setting it up to where at least you are increasing the odds of, of you having the kind of relationship where – People come in together. They feel obligated to one another. There's no competing agendas. There's no, well, you know, I'm the new guy. That's the holdover. I'm the new guy who wants to impose my will and my philosophy on the organization. There's not the holdover who's saying, well, I've already been here, so I'm going to protect my turf. And then all of a sudden you just already have that natural friction, that natural competing of interest that can just happen. It's human nature. I mean, the NFL is a very territorial business, you know, comprised of people who are very prideful, 
I'm not saying everybody has, and, and pride, and pride, you know, and an ego, I don't have any problem with that. It's then when it starts to turn into different agendas. And you can have different agendas when you have people who don't come in on the same ticket, who don't come in on the same ride, so to speak. And you would, look, if you, to me, if you are resetting your organization, if you're going in a different direction, whether it be coaching and or front office, you need to go on the whole, you need to just kind of like reset the entire thing. Because I'll tell you this, if you can figure out definitively whose fault is it, it's the GM's coach that were underperforming or the head coach's head coach that's underperforming, then you're a lot smarter than me. Because those two guys work hand in hand. Great GMs do not become great GMs without guys who can utilize players on the football field properly. And I don't care how good of a coach you are, we're seeing it this year. If you don't have good personnel, you can't win. Mm. So resetting your, your team, the number one thing you need to do is make sure that philosophically and, and to a certain degree personally, those two people who sit in those two chairs, head coach and GM, are without a doubt tied together, have a great, functional, productive relationship, and you go from there. If you succeed, you're both going to rise. If you fail, you're both out of here. I, I truly believe that. I've always believed that. And Buffalo is a perfect example of it. Sean and Sean and Brandon understand each other perfectly. They built that team perfectly. And a lot of the great relationships where you see sustained success is because of that. It's because of that. It's because of that relationship. It's because of that understanding that we're in this kind of thing together. And we can ride out the bumps and we'll both enjoy the prosperity. We won't try and hog all the attention and all the glory and we'll both shoulder the blame if things go bad. The only way it can get done in the NFL. It's the only way in my view. Well, Louis, you talk about coaches and a lot of great college coaches have not succeeded at the NFL level. And right now there mm-hmm. is a conversation about Urban Meyer possibly moving to the NFL. What advice would you give a highly successful college coach about coming into the NFL in terms of how he can be successful in that new environment? Yeah, I think it's really, it's utilizing what are a limited amount of resources and understanding that you can't go out and recruit four or five deep of four-star players at a position and always have the very best of your, of the best at your disposal. So I think utilization of assets, Trevor, is critical teaching developing utilizing is critical more than that you're not just going to out athlete other teams you're going to have to out scheme out strategize and be a great tactician for three and a half hours and your margin for error is very small and so you have to be you have to understand that as a head coach and as a guy who's picking your coordinators you have to have a i mean a absolute dynamite staff as far as your coaching staff is concerned, you have to have a great relationship with your personnel department because, again, you only get so many cracks at it. There's only so many people you can bring in per year based on the number of draft picks you have and the amount of salary cap space you have. So you're, you know, you're, you're shooting at a very narrow target, whereas in college, again, when you're coaching at Ohio State or any other big Power 5 school that has more resources than other teams, you can't out-resource people in the NFL. And you have to be prepared and ready to do that and ready to understand that you're working with that limited resource pool. And if you don't, it can shell-shock people. It can absolutely shell-shock you at how tight the gap is between 
the very worst in the NFL and the very best. It's not that wide. That 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 margin. I mean that that gap between number one and number thirty-two is not that wide. They better be ready for it. Yeah, they say it's always razor thin. It's a cliche, but obviously Lou giving some credence to that thought. Lou, we will see you tonight with Steve Levy, Brian Greasy, and Lisa Salters as we bring down another season of Monday Night Football, the 50th season of Monday Night Football that has seen some amazing games, and we'll see an amazing young quarterback tonight for Buffalo. I've enjoyed it all season long. Thanks for joining us every Monday. Have a great broadcast. You bet. Thanks, Lou. That's Lou Riddick, the Monday Night Football Preview, brought to you by Progressive Insurance. You could save big when you bundle your auto, home, motorcycle, RV, or boat. Visit Progressive.com. On the way, the big question we all want to know in 2021. When will sports finally be back? And you know what I mean by back. When will sports finally be back? Would you believe it all rests on a group of people you might never expect. Keyshawn, J. Will, and Zubin, the podcast. Passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. From superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more, whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has got you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. It's Demon Time on Prize Picks, where you can now win up to 100 times your money. That's right, 100, 100 times, times your money. money. With as little as four correct picks, you can turn $10 into $1,000. Demons and Goblins are the newest and most exciting way to play at Prize Picks. Squares marked with red demons or green goblins get you different payouts. And as always, Prize Picks is really simple to play. You can make your picks and submit your entry in less than 60 seconds. They even offer injury insurance so that your entries stay in play even if one of your players gets injured. Quick withdrawals, easy gameplay, and an enormous selection of players and stat types are what make Prize Picks the number one daily fantasy sports app. Go to PrizePicks.com/morning and use code morning for a first deposit match up to one hundred dollars. That's PrizePicks.com/morning code morning for a first deposit match up to one hundred dollars. Prize Picks, pick more, pick less. It's that easy. Keyshawn J. Will Zubin is presented by Progressive Insurance. The fellows will be back. We'll all three be together on Monday, January 4th, 2021. Only reason I mentioned 2021 is so we don't have to ever utter the word 2020 ever again. Uh-huh. I think we are ready to put that in the rearview mirror. So Monday, January 4th, 2021, Keyshawn J. Will and Zubin will be on the air. And then Tuesday the 5th will be followed by Mike Greenberg with Greeny right here on many of these ESPN radio affiliates. Looking forward to turning the calendar on 2020. I'm sure many of you are in the very same boat. Trevor Maddich is here. We're going to talk about Tom Brady and his possibility of taking the Bucks to the Super Bowl in just two minutes and why Brady does it so differently than everyone else. Trev has some interesting thoughts on that in a couple minutes. But first, I just want to mention this. I think a lot of us as sports fans are wondering... When sports will really be back, because as avid of a fan as you are of the NFL, 
you know, I'm sitting there watching the Colts and the Steelers yesterday. I'm listening to Jim Nance and Tony Romo, and you just can't get into it. It's just hard. You see these expansive shots from the Goodyear blimp and all of these wide shots, and no one's there. And I'm watching the NBA Christmas Day quintuple header on ABC and ESPN. We had five great games. Zion featured LeBron in primetime in the East, the resurgent Nuggets in the late game. And it just doesn't feel the same. And I think I'm not the only person that feels that way. I think whether you're watching something like golf in the Masters, even that didn't feel the same. And here's the reason for it. The numbers are simple. A lot of people watch regular season college basketball, right? But a ton of people watch March Madness. What's the difference? It's the casual fan. They just want to fill out a bracket. They don't know who Coach K is. They don't know who Roy Williams is. But they knew Duke's pretty good, and I got to pick him pretty far in order to win this thing at the office and have bragging rights. You know, back when we are in the office, if we're ever back in the office, you can brag on Zoom if you want, right? So that's the difference, the casual fan in college basketball. In the NFL, a lot of people watch the NFL. But a ton of people will watch the playoffs. What's the difference? It's the casual fan. They kind of tune in. Now I got to tune in. Now it's winner go home. Who's Josh Allen? I'm learning about him. Oh, Tom Brady. Now he's on the Bucks. The casual fan. This might sound silly to most of you listening because we're all avid sports fans. Not all, but many of you. Trevor, myself, our crew, we love sports. We soak up everything about sports. But there's a huge group of people that just like sports. And when it gets to the crescendo moment and you got to win to get in or win to win the whole thing, that's when people come to the table. Until that group of people comes back. Sports will never be the same. The secret is they already got me. They already got Trev. They already got our crew and they already got the avid fans. Why? Because the avid fans don't need any motivation. If you're telling me a football game is being played, I'm there. It's the casual fan that somehow needs to feel that love for sports that we have. If they don't feel it the way we do, sports will never be back. So to say it in one sentence, believe it or not, the return of sports depends on people that love sports less than we do. (laughs) Let me say that again. The return of sports depends on people that love sports less than we do. It's strange, but it is the truth. It's the truth. The Bucs are back in the playoffs, 13-year drought. Tom Brady has done it yet again. Aaron Rodgers is in the MVP conversation, as is Patrick Mahomes. We talked to Lou Riddick of Monday Night Football, who said, hey, you want to put Josh Allen in at this point? Hard to argue. He's been the breakout star of the NFL. The breakout star for the last 20 years has been Tom Brady, and you think he's getting short-shifted here in the MVP conversation. He needs to be in the conversation. I don't know that he'll win it. He's had too many down moments, I think, maybe to win it. But it depends on what your definition of MVP is. If it's the guy that puts up the gaudiest numbers, then great, it's Aaron Rodgers. It's Patrick Mahomes. Aaron Rodgers right now, 44 touchdowns. That's more than any qualifying quarterback. Five interceptions is less than any qualifying quarterback. He's been stellar. He's been unbelievable. But what he's done is kept the ball rolling. He's kept a great franchise great. Patrick Mahomes has kept the ball rolling with Kansas City. He's kept a a great run going. What Brady has done is totally different. And in a lot of ways, it's not nearly as spectacular. And that is he has elevated a team that has been in the doldrums for a decade and a half. Tampa Bay has not made the playoffs since 2007. Mm -hmm. Here comes Tom Brady. And all of a sudden, they don't win their division. Saints win the division. But they are in the playoffs again. They are relevant again. They are somewhere now that they have not been. Whereas Green Bay and Kansas City are somewhere where they're pretty much every year, at least in recent years. And so I think that's one of the reasons that Tom Brady deserves to be in the conversation 
for MVP. His numbers, you can stack them any way you want, for or against MVP qualification. But what he has done to elevate the franchise, I think to me, is something that is not getting enough respect. Now, from your standpoint, I mean, I think Brady is is tremendous to watch, but you are saying to a degree, because of the way the NFL is gone now with the RPOs, this, that, and whatever, is that the run-pass option is that he may not be the most aesthetically pleasing guy. He may, may not be the most spectacular guy to watch, but He's I love the way you said it. aesthetically pleasing. But, okay. well, a lot of a lot of ladies might say, look at that face. Well, you look mean, at that face. I'm just talking on the field. I'm just talking on the field. But you're saying the one thing that is spectacular, even if he is plotting an old in 43, the one thing that is spectacular is the only thing that matters, the results. Uh, he was plotting an old in 43 when he was in his 20s, I think. <laughs> Not a lot of uh, mobility. <laughs> but, but, but it is. He's put up massive numbers from time to time. I mean, he, he can do that. But... His, the way he beats you, if you're the other side, is not like the way Patrick Mahomes beats you. With magic plays where you go, man, wow, wow. Brady beats you in a way that makes you mad. Mm. Mad. Because every defense has a weakness. You really need 12 guys on the field to cover everything. So the fact that you only have 11 on defense means somewhere there's going to be a weak spot. The idea is to get to the quarterback before he can identify and attack that weak spot. And Brady is so good at knowing where the weak spot is and exactly how to attack it. So he's needling you. He's just, he's annoying you. He's bugging you. He's hitting the weak spot every time. And wherever you're strong, don't worry about it. Sun Tzu wouldn't go there either. And neither will Tom Brady, right? And so that's one of the reasons I think he he is less spectacular often than guys we think of as MVP candidates, but the results Oh, those are spectacular. If you had the odds on Trevor busting in some Chinese philosophy before we ended the show, you have now what the long odds on that, but you have paid off that bet. Pay off our Twitter question this morning. Who do you trust more in the playoffs? The Chiefs or the Packers who might be in a collision course to Brady Stadium to play in Super Bowl 55 in Tampa Bay, Florida? Yeah, this is a tough one, but I trust the Chiefs more. And the reason is I love their style of defense. It, it plays perfectly with their offense. You talk about complementary football, that usually means the offense grinds it out and keeps the defense on the sideline, stuff like that. Complementary football for the Chiefs means the offense scores in bunches and the defense can throw caution to the wind and take risks. They can take risks in coverage, risks in pass rush, risks in run stunts, all kinds of stuff. And to me, that combination is going to be really hard to stop. Indeed. The final results are in. 69% of you have said the Chiefs, including at Catch Fire Chiefs, maybe a little biased here, but he voted for the Packers. A couple weeks off may help them heal, but Mahomes and Kelsey are banged up. O-line is a mess, even when not decimated by injury, which it is. You're right. Assembly is out. Mitchell Schwartz. All of that. Don't judge a book by its cover or a Twitter handle by its name. See you tomorrow. If we don't, happy new year. Thanks for listening to Keyshawn, J. Will, and Zubin. Make sure to subscribe, rate, and review. You can hear the show live weekdays at 6 Eastern on ESPN Radio, ESPN News, or wherever you stream your audio. Reggie White, who's a defensive end for the Green Bay Packers, says that the firebombing of his church in Knoxville, Tennessee this week was the work of racists who may have been trying to hurt him. First there was one fire, then there was another, then there was another. It wasn't just Reggie's church that burnt down. Hundreds of churches burned in the 90s. I think we have a major problem in our country that we don't want to admit, and that has to do with racism. Was this 1996 or 1956? 30 for 30 podcast and Antscape presents Through the Flames. Listen now wherever you get your podcasts.